Because through certain gates allows the coming in, we allow things to come into our heart, into our lives. There's the ear gate, and there's the tongue gate. There's the eye gate and the foot gate. It kind of is self-explanatory, isn't it? I mean, it's like you got to watch what you're listening to. Watch that gate and watch what you say, what you're speaking. And watch that tongue gate and then the eye gate. My goodness, if there ever was a visual society, it's now everything is on a screen. Everything is on a screen. And so to watch the eye gate, those things, what you look at, what you see, and what you allow. And then also the foot gate. It matters where we go where we hang out at, it matters the direction and choices that we make. Watch the foot gate. Did you notice that Solomon didn't emphasize anything about our minds? It just, except that I would say it would be considered to understand that three of those gates are in our heads, which is our eyes, our mouth, our ears, you can throw in the nose if you want, but I don't know what we could do with that. Unless you're nosy. Busybody. Okay. Let that go. But there's something significant that Solomon was talking about our hearts. About our hearts. Paul wrote in Galatians 4, 6, and 7, And because you are sons, God has set forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. Crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, we're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, the heir of God through Christ. Guard your heart because it houses, your why is housed in your heart. Your why of life. The what and how is, can be demonstrated in other ways, but the why is in your heart. That definitely, as it says, it will direct our lives the way our heart is. I've seen a lot of head Christians. I've met a lot of religious Christians that they have a whole lot of knowledge and knowing, but man, they just totally lost their why. There is no heart. They're condescending. They're critical. They put down the guy. They know all the moves and the motions, and they can speak the proper Christianese, but their heart is not right. You can see it. They expose it. You can, you can see right off what their motivation, what their passion, where their heart is. And when we, when we guard our heart, we guard our why. This year, we've talked about finding our why, and when we find our why, then we need to hang on to our why. And guard that why. So we guard our heart. And when we guard our heart, we're guarding our why. Because the why is where the heart is. Everything else, the, the, the what and the how is demonstrated in other parts. But the why is from the heart. The why is the motivation on which we do the things. The why is a, it's a clear sense of why enables us to focus on efforts that what matters most to us, that's compelling to us, to even make us take risk and push forward regardless of what the odds or the obstacles are. 
finding your why or guarding your why in your heart, it, it, it's vital. Because our why, if we were to define it, it would be like this. Our why, it is your why is your calling, your conviction, your mission statement. It's the vision of your life and work. It's the core source of motivation. It's the reference point for all your decisions and your actions. It's your why. It defines who you are and what makes you productive. Your why does. And it's just simply the why is the reason. It's the reason that we do what we do and we live the way we are. The scripture said, Solomon said, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. That's why education will not make us a better person. Education will do nothing, very little to our character. Education will maybe just inform us and gives us a, a how-to or what, but education will not because it's just ahead. But if you let the truth come to your heart, and you have a why for that education, then the education can be good. But if you lose the why and the purpose and the passion and the reason, then you're in trouble. You're distracted. You're allowing things in your life that you shouldn't allow in your life. The why, what I would call the why don'ts and the why do's are controlled from the heart. Just simply, just elementary here is that why don't you look at pornography? Jesus. Why don't you gossip? Jesus. Why don't you speak profanities and cuss? Jesus. Why don't you live like you did before you got saved? Jesus. You see, he's the... He's the why in your heart and in your life. Let me tell you, why, why do you, now, why do you read the Bible every day? Jesus. Why do you pray every day? Jesus. Why do you go to church often? Jesus. Why do you pay your tithes? Jesus. It's all about, he's our reason for our do's and our don'ts. He's our why of everything. Let me tell you, we can search and search and search for different whys in our life, but if it is not grounded upon the name of Jesus Christ, then we're heading in the wrong direction. Either it's humanistic or it's built upon opinion and ideas that are going to be flawed. But nothing is flawed when it flows from Jesus. Nothing is evil when it flows from Jesus. Nothing is distracted or, or misled when it flows from Jesus. If we allow him to be Lord and master of our life. In other words, guard your heart because your why is in your heart. And our careers, they matter, and what we do, it matters, but I will tell you, it only really, really matters if Jesus is the why. Yeah, you know, I like what uh, Rick Warren said about, he wrote a book, Purpose Driven Life, and he says, he talks about a why in essence, but he says, we're all professionals. We're all Christians disguised as. We're all Christians and ministers of the gospel disguised as office workers. 
We're all ministers of the gospel disguised as doctors, disguised as pharmacists, disguised as a truck driver, disguised as a mom and homemaker. We are all carriers of the gospel and the reason and the purpose for life is Jesus Christ. He's got to be center. He won't fit anywhere else. He'll go home if you don't put him in the center of your life. And so why do and why don't? Well, it's because Jesus. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Tell your neighbor and look at them and say, I don't do and and I don't do and I do do things because of Jesus. He's my motivation. He's my motivation in my life. I mean, you look at your neighbor, husband, wife, I don't do it because of you. I don't sacrifice because of you. The very living I live, the life I live is through Jesus Christ. In him I live and move. And have my being is in Jesus Christ. I think it's time we started putting Jesus where he belongs. As being the why in our heart. And we guard our heart because the Lord resides there. And he is precious to us. And I don't do what I do that is wrong because I don't do it because I love my Jesus and I serve my Jesus. Uh, I'll tell you what's going to change the world is when Christians regain their why and realize that the passion of all of it has to be Jesus in their life. Yeah. Yeah. I don't rob a bank because of Jesus. I'm telling you, really. I don't want to be locked up, but that's not, that's not my motivation. I'm not scared of the law. I'm just concerned. I don't want to displease the one that means so much to me. That is my why of living. I don't sin because I'm afraid of the flames of hell. We don't sin because we're scared of God's judgment. No. We have tasted of the good Lord. We have found a good Savior. We have found the pearl of great price. We have found the treasure that's been placed in this earthen vessel, as Paul talked about. And we've found it to be priceless. And there's nothing like it in the world. And so, therefore, I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to disobey. I'm not going to bring dishonor to the why of my life. That's why. You don't do that, right? Huh? Yeah. Ten Commandments is the word of God. Jesus didn't abolish it, but he sure did bring a far different understanding to it, a deeper understanding, because we love the Lord and we love him. That's why. In Job chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible talks about there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. We find in this account of Scripture in chapter 1, it's, I, I got to tell you, it, it was the worst chapter of Job's life. Chapter 1. If his life was a book, chapter 1 was the worst. He had God. 
But when it came down to everything hitting him, it all happened at once. I mean, one day, just in a few hours of time, he had lost everything that was around him. And he was pressured immensely. It all started in heaven, you know. Satan went to God and said, you know what? If you kind of back off of this man, Job, I'll tell you what, he'll end up cursing you. He'll end up turning his back on you. Um, as a matter of fact, Satan didn't even come up with his name. God did. Satan said, was well, anybody, you, you shelter and coddle all these people and all this stuff. And, and God said, have you considered my servant Job? Have you thought about him? Oh, boy. We want to be in God's reference list for all the blessings. But are we on his big, his important list of being able to withstand, you know, and stand for the kingdom? That's a little different, isn't it? That's, that's kind of heavy. So Satan came down to where Job was. Job was a wealthy man, actually most wealthy man in his region. And then one day, servants just kept coming to him, and he, he probably felt like screaming out, don't you dare come to me, after he heard a couple other servants come and say, and I am spared in it, and I want you to let you know you lost everything, you lost your cattle, lost all this, and the thieves have come, and all this, and, and one said, your servants have been killed, and, and, and it's like, okay, I think it's kind of odd that the one who brings the message is, is kind of like, you know, what, what happened to them? Why were they spared? You know, I guess to go and tell the bad news and to report the news. And so they came to Job and everything he had, he lost as far as possession and lost his family. His family was important to him. But you see, Job's why was his love and worship to God. That's why in scripture it says that Whenever his sons and daughters would gather together in the house and have a feast and celebration, he the next day would go and offer up sacrifices on behalf of his family. Why? Because he cared for his family and, then, and he wanted God to be honored in everybody from his household. You ever seen godly mamas like that? Maybe you have one or have one, a godly mama, you know, that... Some of us were kind of went out living like a scoundrel and brought some shame to the name. You know, it's, it's really interesting, our understanding in the world today about there's no, there seems to be no element of shame. It used to be, I'll tell you what, when I was growing up as a kid, back in covered wagon days. <laughs> I just want to say that because I know somebody's like, well, that's back, here we go. Okay. I graduated with Abraham Lincoln. I don't know if you knew that. I'm real famous. The, but in that day, you didn't want to embarrass the last name of your family right. and bring dishonor to your parents, to your grandparents, to your name. So you were careful about things and one, because it really mattered. It upset you if you brought uh, shame upon the name of your family. So Job, he, he, he offered up sacrifices for his Family, but have you ever had this this kind of mama that just like somebody come bearing tales about their child, even though they're guilty? Maybe it was about you, and your mama defended you and said, oh, "He ain't that bad. He's gonna be all right. God's gonna touch his life. 
God's going to turn him around. You ever had somebody like that in your life, in your family, that they knew their why, and they knew God would stand in, whether it be a grandma, whether it be a, a mom, whether it be someone that prayed. And let me tell you, some of you are evidences of the prayers of your mama, your daddy, your grandma, your evidence. Somebody wave a hand and know what I'm talking about. You're the fruit of it. You're the fruit of it. Somebody didn't give up on you besides God. God didn't give up on you, and that loved one didn't give up on you. So we want to bring honor to people like that. If anything, I want to be a person like that. And so Job offered up those sacrifices for his family and for his children after they would have their feast day the day before. I don't know if he thought they'd be messing up, but he just wanted to bring honor to God, to everything. And then Satan comes and he makes the challenge. Job loses everything that day that he had. Satan challenged God and he told God, he said, Job will curse him and that he'll lose his wife. However, Job didn't lose it. When all hell descended on him, he still, he still went out and he worshiped the Lord. When our why, whose Jesus is worshipped in their life, it is evidenced by how little importance we have on our stuff or we put on our stuff. Our stuff really doesn't matter if Jesus is our why. It's good to have stuff. It's a blessing of God. But it's, it's not our why. It's not our why. Our why is Jesus Christ. When Job heard this, he went outside, he tore his robe, put ashes on his head like anyone would at a time of grief, of losing his family and everything. And there he fell down and he worshiped the Lord, the Bible says in chapter 1. And he, and he went and he worshiped the Lord, fell on the ground and worshiped. And the Lord, he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be, blessed be the name of the Lord. You knew he didn't worship the stuff because he said the Lord gives and the Lord takes it away. The one who gave me what I have, it's his and he can take it away if he wants. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Those who feel like you've lost so much I want you to know if you'll let Jesus be your why and you'll be like Job and worship the Lord at the moment of crisis and the moment of loss, then what will happen is that God will bless you and you will demonstrate the fact that the stuff doesn't matter, but the Lord matters in my life. He is everything to me. He is everything to me. He didn't lose his why. God doesn't want us to lose our why. Several years ago, some of you remember, some of you don't know, the church suffered a terrible tragedy. It was a sunny Friday morning, the worst Friday of my life. Got a call from a young mother, her little girl, little baby girl, three months old, that couldn't revive her. It was just... And she's talking to me on the phone. She lived in Jackson. I had to race my way up there to. She said, Pastor, they're going to take her to the hospital. They took her to the hospital. I walk into that hospital. And I said, God, 
I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to do here. I don't want, I, 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 you know, I don't know. I went in the emergency room, and there on that little table was this baby doll laying there, and they're trying to re revive her. And mom and dad sitting in the chair, and I walked in that room. I said, God, I, I'll make my presence known. The Holy Spirit told me, he said, you put your arms around them, tell them, Tell them this. Tell them that they're a good mama and dad. They're a good mama and daddy. And I put my arms around it because the accuser wanted to accuse and destroy totally. She didn't survive. She passed, and family members had shown up. It's just devastating for a little, little Lucy to pass away. And the couple decided they need to get out. Uh, they moved them out of the room after a long stay in that room. They went into another room, and they were isolated in there. And I went in that room, and Amber said, she said, Pastor, I don't know how I'm going to talk to family. I don't know if I can talk on that face because I'm just too broken. But she looked up at me. I'll never forget as long as I live. She said, Pastor, God is still good. I, I thought, wow. She didn't lose her why. Some of you others have went through crisis and tragedy too, and I've been there with you, and I've seen it, and you didn't lose your why. You held firm your faith and love of Christ and knowing who God is. She said, God is still good, Pastor. He is still good. I said, Amber, I sense the power of the Holy Ghost and faith coming out of you in a wave that I've never seen before. She didn't lose, or her and Brandon didn't lose the why. Went on to serve the Lord, still Christians today, and had a little boy afterwards, and, and he's a, a, just a strapping little young preteen. And God has been with them, but the fact is, is that she just said, I know, Pastor, God is still good. Because she knew who God was. She didn't lose her why. She didn't give up on her why. She guarded her heart. She guarded her heart. Her why was there, and the devil couldn't get in there and destroy. Guard, even though her heart was broken, she would not surrender and give in to anything that would come in and make her forget about her why. Philippians 4, 6 through 8 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, what, whatever things are true and whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely and whatever things are good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Paul also wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 through 9, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in your hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We know we had this light shining in our hearts 
But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Because we have the why. Because Jesus is the center. He is in our heart. He rules our heart. He's over the kingdom of our heart. When it comes down to your children, let Jesus be the center. When it comes down to your home, let Jesus be the center. When it comes down to your vocation and your work, let Jesus be the, be the center. Don't you hang him up uh, and put him on a shelf. And, and as you go to the places you want to go to, you let Jesus live and dwell in your heart. Because he will not take residence in any other part of your life except in your heart. Guard your heart. That's where the why is. Paul wrote in Romans 8, I thought with anything, a lot of scripture, you walk away with Bible. It's where faith comes from anyway. Your faith doesn't come from my preaching. Our faith comes by the word of God. And all we do is get really excited talking about the word. And learning and talking and expounding and, 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 take, and piecing it. But it's the word of God that does the work. Romans 8, 31 through 35, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Mm-hmm. You let Jesus in your heart. You let him stay in your heart. You let him abide in your heart. And the Holy Spirit come inside you and abide in you. Then what happens? Uh, you can say to these things. You can say to this stuff coming against you. You can say against this, these accusations and these lies and the stuff that may come against you. You can say, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things. God gave his sacrifice so we might have. God gave so that we might have. God gave so that we might have. You have because God gave. Heaven came down and gave just so we could have, so that we could have eternal life, so that we can have the gift of the Holy Ghost, so that we can have uh, righteousness, so we can have right standing and be justified in before the eyes of God, so that we might have. God gave so that we might have. God gives and gives so that we might have. You go home and open the cupboards and the cabinets in your kitchen and your big-time refrigerator... And you go and try and name off everything you got in the cabinets, in the refrigerator. And I'll guarantee you, you'll be worn out by trying to name off everything. Because God is a God that gives good things. And he blesses us abundantly. He gave so that we might have. He gave, he gives so that we might have. And here we are. I'm just an earthen vessel. And the light has shone in my heart. And the treasure has come and dwells inside of me. I mean, it, is, it blows my mind to think that God would even love me. 
You ever have struggle with that sometimes? It's a, it's a human thing. The devil tries to use it. Make you forget that God loves you. Let, let, let me tell you, God made heaven so you could come and hang out with him. That's exactly what it is. And he's still building, preparing a place for us that where he is, we might be also. I mean, he wants to hang out with us. He wants to be with us. That song we used to sing, I am a friend of God. I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend. Turn to your neighbor, look at him and say, I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of God. He wants to play Monopoly with me. But I'll never cheat. And every time I roll the dice, I pray, oh, dear God, you know, he rolls the dice, oh, Lord. You know, he'll never land on Boardwalk and Park Place with hotels. That never happened to him. Why? Because he's God. I'm getting funny now, but I'm telling you, he wants to be with you. He wants you to be with him forever, forever, forever. So much he says, I want to be in your life, and I'm going to, where am I going? I'm going right in the center of you. For from the heart is the direction of life. God wants to be there. And so here, Paul writes, he said, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who, who, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? <laughs> I think it's, it's interesting that there's a who and what, but a who. It means somebody's up to something. Who? Paul, Paul knew that these things, it's going to be, by a who and not a what. It's not by coincidence or happenstance. There's a plan and a plot. There's a who. There's a who that wants you to fail. There's a who that wants you to not make it to heaven. There's a who that wants you to sin. There's a who that wants you to stay in your sin. There's a who, he said. But he said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword... Yet in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I like this one phrase. For I am persuaded. I am persuaded. Persuaded is more than just having your mind made up. Your heart is set like a flint. And it's going to accomplish what it's going to accomplish because you've got a passion and a drive. You are persuaded. You're sure, you're persuaded because you got a why in your heart. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, or powers, nor things present or things to come, nor height, nor death, depth, nor any other created thing shall be able, can't do it, able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to challenge you to check your heart and see if Jesus is there. I gave so that you might have. I gave so that you might have eternal life. 
I gave so that you might have a purpose and reason to live. I gave because you might understand and know that life is more than what you see right now in the present. But there is a great future I prepared for you and reward I have for you if you will guard your heart and you become fully persuaded that you know that I am first and foremost in your life. When you first came to me, you were broken. And you became as a child before me. And I was able to come and move and mold and shape. But let me ask this one thing of you. Is there something that has gotten in the way? Where no longer I'm the why. I say I will come and move in your life in deeper ways, greater ways. Because my love has not changed. If you'll just surrender to me, I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new life. I'll give you a new purpose to live. If you will believe in me and let today be the beginning and the fresh start in me. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is moving and touching. I tell you what, it is His presence is so strong in this room. I love it when there's waves of the Holy Ghost where people shout and praise God and rejoice. But then there's a wave like this one that is soul searching. And loving moves around us and allows us to search our heart. <laughs> because God, God knows what we need. He knows what we need. And he loves us. <laughs> he loves us. We tried running from him and we can't. We tried substituting him and we can't. We tried replacing with something else. We've even tried to go part-time. But we can't. The Lord has called us to this relationship because he loves you and cares for you. And the Lord wants and has called us to guard our heart. Don't let the world define you. Don't let the world shape you and mold you. But let God begin to direct you and empower you in Jesus' name. I just, I don't know how to ask except that the Holy Spirit speak in the hearts. I believe there's a multi, multiple classifying situation here. It just boils down, down to all the little details of different things why people would come to the altar today. But I think it just could be defined and said in simple senses just a simple sentence is this. Do you need God? You need God to move and to work. We all need the Lord to touch and move us and help us. I'm talking to, to saints and I'm talking to backsliders and to those who have not come to Christ. I'm talking to everyone. We all did. We need God. 
And so many of us, we go through things and we think we can handle it, but we can't. God says, I don't want you to handle it. I want you just to go back to your wife and know that I'm there for you. And I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. Go with you even to the end of the age. I'll be your wife. Would you stand with me right now? find a mic in this place. The Lord's speaking to you to come up here and just seek the Lord. Just stand. I mean, the Lord's just telling me there's all these different situations here. The people just need me. They need me. They need me. I want you to leave from where you're standing right now, whether if you're not a Christian, if you're a backslider, if you are a on fire Christian but you feel like you've been distracted if you're a Christian that desires the Lord to direct you and empower you and help you if you just whatever the you just need God that means everybody in the room really but the Lord's speaking to you for prayer I want you to come up here and just join me stand here God's speaking your heart about about your heart, about your life, about your directions. I want you to leave your seat and just come up here and stand. In Jesus' name. I believe there are several people in the house. God is speaking to you and the Lord's kind of tugging you and nudging you to come forward. Just come on, just, just come forward. Because it's all in His name. And it's all for Him, not anything else but Him. I'm just, you can say to yourself, I'm coming up because I'm coming up for Jesus. I'm coming up because I love the Lord. And I know that He loves me. There's some others here. I believe there are those in the house that are backslidden. Used to be on fire for God, but somehow they kind of, you've kind of strayed. You've allowed things to distract you. You're starting to live the old life again. God says, I'll give you a new heart. If you'll just come to me and let me be your wife. Let me be your Lord. Just come and leave your seat right now. There's some others. I'm just going to wait for a moment. Just obey the Lord. The Lord's spoken to you that he's wanting you to seek him. Just come on up. In Jesus' name. Just come on up. My God, my Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Come on up, just come on up. There's some folks over here. I don't know. There's some people here on this side. God's speaking to you. Just come on, just come on. This is you and the Lord coming up and you talking to Him, you coming to Him, you signifying something in your life, what's going on. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Now, church. How many are so grateful for the presence of the Holy Spirit? Nothing gets accomplished in a church house unless the Holy Spirit is doing a great work. 
and God bless these who just come up and say, that, Lord, I'm reaching out to you. I'm reaching out to you, God. You're the answer. You're the solution. You're my strength. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, I need some folks that would help me a little bit. Just getting in behind these folks. Would you just, I'd like for everybody to have somebody, some folks around them. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on, church. Come on. Yeah, just go on in behind people. Get behind them. If you're on the prayer prayer team, come on. But if you're not, I want anybody, anybody that wants to come up and stand and pray for one another. Because we're all on the prayer team. We're all at the work in the altar in this place. In the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know whose mic I got. Who'd I get? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go and sing a little bit. Let's worship him for a moment before we go into prayer. Just right there where you're at. Open your heart to him and just worship him. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Holy Spirit. Yes. Come rest on us. Yes. You're all we want. You're all we want. Oh 